About 10 years ago, my life began to change, slowly at first, and then rather quickly and dramatically. We often hear that the spiritual journey is like climbing a mountain. We set off on the mountain for many reasons, to seek wisdom, to gain perspective, to be able to look out over creation in all its beauty and wonder, to achieve enlightenment. And as we climb the steep path to the top, grasping for the firm handhold, we sometimes slip and fall backwards. But we pick ourselves up, brush off the dirt, and continue our ascent. We learn from our missteps. And if we're lucky, or better yet, present and observant, we encounter guides along the way who help us, encourage us, and inspire us. As the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King famously said in his final speech, we've got some difficult days ahead, but it really doesn't matter with me now because I've been to the mountaintop. And I don't mind. Like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place. But I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go to the mountain. And I've looked over, and I've seen the promised land. In his time, in his context, Dr. King advocated a clear, prophetic vision of a United States of America, one free from racial, economic, and political injustice. His mountain was the struggle for justice on the road to freedom. Dr. King's vision, grounded in the Exodus story, was very clear. My spiritual journey, though, Every time I'm out on it, it seems as I'm about to summit some great crest, as I'm about to see some grand vision of a vista below, what I end up realizing is that the great mountain I thought I was climbing, no, it's just a tiny little hill at the foot of an enormous mountain range. And I have to laugh at myself. I feel humbled at the enormity of all that remains to be discovered, to be experienced, and to be known. But I've also noticed as we climb these small foothills along our spiritual journeys, sometimes our ears pop. We look around and we come to realize that we've reached a higher altitude. With each circumambulation through the hills, we learn a lesson that prepares us for the next ascent. I'm thinking back now on my own humble journey. About 10 years ago, I was taking a hard look at my life. Yes, I had a successful career, a happy, stable, long-term relationship, a nice house, and a friend group. And yet, something was missing from my life. There was no real joy, that sense of profound inward pleasure and delight 
that we can feel about our lives, circumstances, and prospects for the future. It was so curious. So I embarked on a year-long quest, a hike up a mountain called Joy, as it were. I was going to climb that mountain, figure it all out in one year, mind you, and be rewarded with a joy-filled life. And so I set off, rather naively, I must admit, to conquer Joy Mountain. Preparing for my ascent, I did a lot of reading. I had interesting conversations with mentors, and I listened to more than a few good sermons. I set off on the trail up Joy Mountain and discovered that the reason I lacked joy in my life was that I wasn't connected in any meaningful way to the people outside of my immediate family. I was self-centered. I considered the people and the circumstances around me in a transactional rather than a relational manner. I thought everything, everyone that was moving through and around my life was there to either help me get what I wanted out of life or hinder me. I'll take more of the former and none of the latter. Thank you very much, I would say to myself. I was unbelievably self-centered. Now, it was difficult to admit to myself that unless you were one of the very few close people in my life, and truly I could count them on one hand, I really didn't have much interest in you beyond what you could do for me. What a horror to realize that I had no practical understanding or personal experience of empathy and compassion writ large. Gazing into a pond by the side of the trail, I didn't like what I saw in the reflection. I knew I needed to make a change in my life. Now, this hike up Joy Mountain was all of a sudden getting rather dodgy. Being a nerd, one who is much more comfortable with the intellectual rather than the emotional or the experiential, I hit the books. I discovered that empathy is the feeling we have when we are actually aware of and vicariously experiencing the feelings and emotions of another person. Empathy brings true meaning to the phrases, I feel your pain. I'm heartsick. This hike up Joy Mountain is now starting to feel like it's moving from dodgy to downright terrifying. Who wants to risk feeling all the pain and suffering that people out there in the world are experiencing? Compassion, I next read, is the feeling of empathy for another coupled with the desire to take action to alleviate the other's suffering. I think of compassion as empathy in action. So now my trail up has just led me to the edge of a cliff and I feel like I'm about to fall off. I'm not only supposed to expose myself to other people's pain and suffering, I'm actually supposed to do something to alleviate it, to make it better. 
I seriously wondered whether I was still on my hike up Joy Mountain or whether I had taken a terribly wrong turn somewhere. And then something really funny happened on that trail. In retrospect, I suppose on a subconscious level, I've been trying to be more open to meeting new people. I turned a corner and ran smack into a guide who could well have been carrying a giant big sign that says, empathy and compassion this way. I'll spare you the details of a long, complicated story. But the long and the short of it is, I met a friend, my guide as it were, who I discovered in the course of time had been sexually abused as a child, was a heroin addict, who then became homeless in the middle of a bitter cold winter, was living on the streets, caught a flesh-eating MRSA on his foot, landed up in MGH, and was about to have his foot amputated. Nothing like jumping right into the deep end of the empathy and compassion pool before even learning to swim. But life is like that. Sometimes you just have to jump in. Our stories and background and experiences had enough in common that I could understand how he ended up the way he did. I got it. I felt it. While some combination of luck and life skills had left me in a better position, I felt his pain. It ate at me. It hurt. It kept me up at night, night after night. It brought me to tears. It taught me to pray for the first time in my life. In short, I was experiencing empathy. And then, in an example of be careful what you ask for, compassion followed quickly on the heels of empathy, asking the very difficult question. Yeah? So what are you willing to do about it? That was a hard question. For two weeks at MGH, I worked on a discharge plan with his care team that was supposed to lead straight to the Barbara McGinnis house for a two-week inpatient detox, followed by a six-month residential program. But like many of the best laid plans, it went terribly wrong. On the positive side, the surgeon had been able to remove all the necrotic flesh and get the infection under control and save his foot. On the negative side, my guide was discharged straight to the street with no crutches, his foot bleeding through the bandages with a bottle of OxyContin and a taper schedule so that he could detox himself off heroin. When I found him standing out on the sidewalk, my guide was furious that once again, the system had let him down. He had allowed himself to hope that he was finally going to get some help, 
that he could somehow break free of his addiction. And like that, it had all been snatched away, and he was back on the street. Tears streaming down his face, he said, Don't worry. I'll just stay on a bench in Copley Square. I've done it tons of time before, and I'll sell this oxy for money. I'll buy heroin, and I'll be able to get a lot of it. Having no idea what I could do, I took a giant leap of faith and said, No, get in the car. You're with me. And so began a long journey for the two of us in a quest of sobriety. We struck a deal, so naive when I think about it now. I would quit drinking and smoking, and he would stop shooting heroin. We'd do it together for a year, and then we'd reevaluate. Silly, really, but it worked, sort of, for a while. I made it through to the other side. On my hike up Joy Mountain, I came to truly understand and experience empathy and compassion. With the help of mentors and my guide, I discovered that my self-centeredness, what was cutting me off from forming deep and meaningful connections with others, in our shared quest for sobriety, I came to encounter whom French philosopher Emmanuel Levinas called the other, and whom Mother Teresa simply calls Christ in all his distressing disguises. My pursuit of a more meaningful, joy-filled life, one not circumscribed by self-centeredness, required me to give up the booze, the butts, and the party. I needed to lighten the load of a heavy backpack that was slowing me down on my journey. I needed to become a better person. I needed to reorder my life. I needed to pay attention and take an interest in other people. And so my journey led me to divinity school. And eventually here with you, in this pulpit. Here I am. Now, you may be wondering about my guide. Unfortunately, he's not fared as well. Despite numerous detoxes, residential treatment programs, involuntary commitments, counseling, and more than a few miracle cures, my guide still struggles mightily in active addiction. We're about the same height, he and I, but my guide now weighs about 120 pounds. We still text or talk every day and see each other on a regular basis. There is love. One painful lesson that empathy and compassion have to teach us, at least in the context of alcohol and addiction, is that we must accept the fact, despite all the love in the world, we can't fix anyone. My friends, I have been to the mountaintop. What I discovered along the way 
was self-centeredness blocking my way. I learned to let go of old habits that were slowing me down. I came to accept that in the end, I cannot change anyone except myself. Filled with joy in forming bonds of meaningful connection with others, I met along this journey. I crested the summit of Mount Joy, expecting the reward of a beautiful vista below, like the promised land. And you know what I saw at the top? A sign with an arrow pointing at an enormous mountain range that I hadn't even been able to see before. That sign read, Seventh Principle This Way. Respect for the interdependent web of all existence of which we are a part. Well, let me tell you, I think I need a new pair of hiking boots. <laughs> Though we may stumble on the trail, our vision perhaps blurred with tears of empathy and compassion, may we pick ourselves up and with humility and with joy continue on our journey ever looking up and towards the next peak. Amen and blessed be.